All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the 360 Sports Show. We are coming to you live through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Thank you for finding us here on a Monday night, a little later than normal, but we are here nonetheless, bringing you all the biggest stories from the past week in sports. You can reach us anytime in any of the comment sections of the live streams or by emailing the360sportshow at gmail.com. I'm Adrian Pazella, he's Christian Lauber, and we are going to jump Right on into it. And Christian, last it feels like an eon ago, but the last time we were on air, we were prepping for March Madness championship game, which now feels like a bajillion years ago. Um, so let's start by recapping and reacting to that game. Uh, a tale of two halves. UNC looking like they're ready to take it. They're going to run away. Kansas saying not so fast uh, and storming back in the second half. Your reaction to Kansas winning the national title? Yeah, uh, well, I said uh, I thought Kansas would win, and if it was going to be a blowout, it would be one way, and that would be Kansas blowing out UNC. And in the first half, I was like, well, I could probably (laughs) turn this off. Uh, But uh, no, here in the second half, I mean – you just kind of told the story. I mean, it's just two two different halves. I mean, it's basically two different games. Uh, UNC blows doors in the first half, and then Kansas comes clawing right back in the second half uh, and, and ultimately win. I mean, it was a close game. I thought it was going to be close. Two pretty evenly matched teams when it came right down to it, but uh, Kansas, um, like I predicted, was a little bit better. Yeah, I think for it's – I don't know if it's – more about UNC's, uh, sorry, Kansas's comeback as it is things that I, I kind of wasn't expecting out of UNC in that second half. They they looked like, in the first half, it was no fluke. UNC was taking it. They were moving the ball. Multiple efforts. The defensive effort. It, it was all there. And I think they felt they had it, and they did at that point. It's one of the largest comebacks in championship game history. Yeah. But Kansas never got that thousand yard stare that told you they were gonna they were gonna give up and pack it in. They looked frustrated for sure, but that's because UNC was taking them taking it to them. Yeah. And so the second half starts, and you you're expecting okay, here comes the punch from Kansas. It's gonna be coming, and it came. And it's like UNC just kept thinking, okay, if we just go down and make a shot and push it back to thirteen, these guys will pack it in. It's like no, no. This is the championship game. This team is not just going to like – there's nothing now – that's nothing that's going to happen in the second half that's going to make them just wilt and say, oh, that's it. It's a 10-point game. Wah. We're going to give up. No, they're going to keep coming at you. And it, was, it wasn't until UNC went down six later in that second half that it felt like their intensity finally picked up. It was like, oh, my God, we're going to blow this. We have blown it. Um, so their start to the second half was really unfortunate. Um, because as much as UNC was taking it in the first half, Kansas went out and took it in the second half. Uh, they they went to another level, and it took way too long for UNC to respond. Um, a lot of hero ball. Caleb Love did not love his play down the stretch. Uh, right. Like, hey, it was great. You hit a you hit a crazy three pointer versus Duke. He tried to like replicate that moment again when you really should have just gone for the best play. Um, Ends up being another hero shot for him. I know Manic fell down on their last possession, um, but even still, Kansas should have just won that he- handily. Instead, a guy gets the inbounds and is like, instead of just getting fouled, let me try and scoot the baseline and step out of bounds. Um, 
So more frantic finishes, but that's what's more disappointing for me is like that second half from UNC. Uh, I'm not surprised that Kansas came out and did what they did. A um, lot of credit though to Armando Baycott because that dude was hobbled um, and fought through that game. And still, I think if he doesn't tweak that ankle again, you knew the final possession for Kansas. You know, essentially the final possession, they were gonna go to their big man McCormick inside on Manic. Great player, Manic, not able to guard a true center. True. It was like, yeah. here, here we go. Post him up. It was going to be one, two, three, beep, beep, back it in, hook shot, championship. Um, so a lot of little things, very bad for Can- uh, for UNC in the second half. I mean, we talked about like Providence having one of the worst halves in basketball uh, in the first half of the game. At least they came back and made a fight in the second half. This is like the whole thing in reverse. You played a great first half and then just totally went away in the second. Yeah. Statistically, it's not as bad, but you're blowing a 15-point lead in the second half of a championship game, I think that's worse. Yeah, I mean, typically with leads in sports, especially like you know the four major I'm talking about, but typically with leads like that, um, you know, there's it's a two-sided story. Obviously, one side has obviously elevated their play, and the other side has kind of, you know, kind of come back to earth or or come back, you know, to kind of like the middle uh, or even in the negatives there. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Atlanta, Patriots, Super Bowl, things like that. So there's it's never just like, oh, one team's just way better than the other. Obviously, if you're down that much, you're not. Um, but it could be closer than the score indicated. I think that was true for this championship game but also unc i still want to give credit to kansas you don't you don't come back from 15 points just because unc started to stink or you know whatever but unc also kind of fell back a little bit and kind of let off the gas and the minute you do that it's tied or here they here they come on a 15 to 1 run whatever it might be yeah it was essentially something like that it ended up it was like a 21 to 5 run something yeah. Uh, bananas. Um, so, but in the end, Kansas earned it. They earned it. Uh, that's why they play two halves. So, no Kansas, shirt this week, huh? No UNC shirt this week? No, no UNC shirt. It's dirty. <laughs> it's in the wash. Or the fire. We don't know. <laughs> or the fire. Yeah. It is cleansed. One way or another, it has been cleansed. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Kansas is the champions of the March Madness tournament. So, uh, Basketball, ball locker for them. In a good way. Great tournament. And now we wait. We wait 365. We wait 365 days. days. Uh, So, uh, yesterday, uh, in a not as dramatic experience, uh, the Masters concluded. um, And we'll talk about what I think the more exciting parts of the Masters. Had nothing to do with who won. Uh, so Scotty Scheffler wins. Uh, he shoots a minus one on, on the last day. Um, finishes minus ten overall. Uh, Rory McIlroy shoots uh, eight under uh, on on Sunday yesterday. Uh, an insane round for him. Not enough because Scheffler was so far ahead. Um, and, and, and for a guy who had not had some sort of epic blow-up collapse uh, at any point during the four days, let alone the four months 
preceding the Masters, expecting him to suddenly just have a Sergio Garcia moment and be chucking the club into the water. I, I didn't think it was going to happen, so I, I really didn't expect Scheffler to um, to Except blow for whole eighteen. Except. The, 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 the shine of winning the Masters is, even though it wasn't dramatic, you'd say, hey, it's a great moment. A guy was, you four-putt the last hole. <laughs> it just, it doesn't matter. You won. You played a great four days. But when you have, when you literally look like me or you out there trying to finish off that last hole, oh my god, it takes away, it, it takes away from the. Especially moment. you're like you're shot three in, and then here come the crowd, and that's what gives you the oomph to make it. Like, what are we doing? Like, well, he, I mean, he he's above the hole on the 18th green, so he's got okay. This is for this is for birdie. Bling shoots it past the hole. Okay, ah, whatever. And now it's gone and it's down and off the green again. Okay, let's play her back up. Miss that. All right, I got a two-foot putt for bogey here. Boop, short. Yep. <laughs> At that point, Rory's probably going like, oh, my God, what if he, like, what if he misses it again? Like, that's the only, the only reason it looks like if you just didn't watch and you look, oh, my God, McElroy shot a minus eight and, like, he only finished three strokes back of Scheffler. Yeah, well, like three more of those happened at the very last second. There was still no threat. Um, it was not like uh, last year where you had guys like n- neck and neck the whole yeah. way, and it was like, oh my god, like one mistake, and you could feel the pressure. Uh, there was no pressure, uh, evidently, except on Scheffler himself. It, or uh, I don't know, is that pressure or is that lack of pressure? That's just like <laughs> whatever. I get six strokes to play with. Ying up short. Okay, let's shoot it back. Uh, let's shoot it high. Um, yeah, I think that's what you call a sphincter tightening in the in the last moments. It took uh, literally what thirty six, seventy two holes to get there, but he did it. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. I mean. It, what he missed the two and a half footer. And then it was like oh, he's just there was there was no more room for error. Yeah, right. Conceivably, if there was like he missed it and it rolled down again, I'd be like, oh my god, oh my god, like we might watch somebody literally blow a six-stroke lead. That would have been good on the green at eighteen. Now that that's exciting. That would have been a Masters moment. Um, but there was no, there wasn't enough buzz. I mean, he had uh, Scheffler had the chip in on three. There was the bunker shots, right, from McElroy and um Oh my god, why am I blanking on his name? Who was his partner? Um The back to back uh I don't even know. Was it Morikawa? I think had yeah, the back back to back bunker shots. Yeah. Uh you know, out of the bunker. Um so it's like those are exciting, but that's like that's that doesn't make you go look bad. Those are like little moments that doesn't make you like say, Oh, what a what a great day. Eh, Cool. It yeah. wasn't exciting. Um, honestly, the fact that, I mean, I know he finished way back. God knows what. 13 over? Where was Tiger? Way back. Yeah, plus six on Sunday, 13 over um, for the whole tournament. He didn't have a good uh, a good Saturday. Um, the fact that he was there. A guy who finished tied for, what, 48th here? Uh, 47th. The guy who finished 47th created more buzz 
than the fact that you had the number one player in the world go and win. Isn't that the problem with golf I, right now? I guess. Yeah, true. Um, and and for me, I mean, and but but rightfully so. I mean, where are? This is going to be golf's problem. It was golf's problem when whenever Tiger has been hurt or stepping away from the game for personal reasons. Who fills that void? What makes golf interesting for viewers and fans? Obviously, it's a sport that could succeed probably without fans. The the, the players competing don't care. Uh, the tournaments don't care. Like they make they make their money. The tour happens. It doesn't need um, the fan thing. But for people who want to be fans. What is there to grasp onto other than just being like, oh, I guess I'm watching somebody at their job. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I without I don't know who the person. There's no personalities. No, um, there's not because it's all one and done guys. We saw Rory, we saw Jordan Spieth, we saw those guys do it. Dustin Johnson, same thing. But then they kind of just fizzle and it's like middle of the pack again. And then here comes Scheffler, right? And he's going to be up there, and then he'll probably step back, and then someone else will come forward. There's no like Tiger Mickelson. You know, there's no, there's, there's just nothing, you know, even like a Sergio Garcia, there's no one that's like notable. And that's kind of the problem that I had all weekend is it's just kind of boring. Once Tiger kind of got out of like, it's look, it's inconceivable to think he's going to win the thing after coming back from what he, you know, the car accident, which unfortunately was self-inflicted by him. But, you know, he, after coming back from something like that, nobody thought he was going to actually win it let alone yeah. play and he's playing in it now unfortunately after like he made the cut he kind of fell back and then like for me at least it's like my rooting interest just goes down after that there's just no buzz after i was like oh, you know it'd be cool to see him be in the conversation here on day three day four but yeah it's just he just wasn't and that just takes it all away yeah i mean i was hoping for a guy like will Zalatoris last year kind of comes out of nowhere in in the tournament uh in in the masters um, you know, was in the conversation, finishes minus three, shoots a shoots a five under on, on Sunday. But again, I mean, Scheffler was clearing away, blowing everybody away. And but even still, I agree. There's just not enough buzz. And I I don't know if there's a pressure for golf to have that. I know it makes. It, I mean, the personalities make it for us. Um. Part of it's probably maybe it's a branding thing. Like, I mean, how all these everybody has spot everybody's sponsored now, because of their brand. You know, yeah. I lo- I love the Mickelsons and the Sergio Garcia. These guys, you know, who might just there's style. There's like a style to their play, not just okay. I am perfect technical golfer. I come out, I do my job, I hit the ball, I wear my sponsored cap. And I stay quiet. I don't say anything. I don't do anything. I am just a golf robot. And I feel like a lot of it is, uh, that's what it is. Uh, I mean, it's just because, like, these athletes will make their money regardless if they win the Masters. Like, a bunch of them will make, you know, 800K just playing in the thing and being, you know, number 50 overall. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's enticing to go win a million dollars, but, like, you're going to make that money anyway. Uh, Colin in the comment section. What makes golf interesting? We ask. Uh, he says, for a select few, maybe playing it. There's no consistent phenoms, no storylines, no noise. Its excitement level hovers just below the current state of baseball. Pretty much. I mean. Although baseball's on the rise here again. I'll and, tell you what. And, and the Masters, I mean, people mostly only tune in 
I mean, probably the Masters. I think the U.S. Open draws people, but the Masters has become its own thing. It's like a Super Bowl. It's these one of these big sporting events that everybody like you you know it. You it's might the Masters, a tradition like no other. Yeah. Hello, friends. Um. So yeah, it's got is got golf's I mean, got those same go, problems, but I don't think it's going to change. Well, you want to look at the Masters. I mean, just look at the PGA Tour. It's the same thing. It's kind of just you know there right now. That's what I'm saying. It's for the people who love, like, love golf. Um, and I think there's probably, I don't know, do th- I, it might be closer than we think. How many people love golf and, like, watch Golf Channel and will Golf Network and will watch the PJ Tour and follow it night and day compared to people who love baseball and follow baseball 365 no, ba- and 162? Baseball the edge there, yeah. I mean... I bet it would be. Cl- I, it's probably closer than you think, though. I don't think so. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. I think golf is a very select sport for some. Like personally, I'd rather play golf than probably watch it every Sunday. I'll watch stuff like the Masters, uh, and I suck, but it's still fun to play. You know. So, but regardless, I think baseball just blows it out of the water. We should do. We got to do a three sixty sports show uh, golf outing. That's what we got to do. Yeah, that'd be a disaster to film, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I don't think we film it. Uh, or maybe we get. We, Maybe we, we maybe we get we need a third party to come GoPro and be, and be the the yeah go some GoPros I'll strap a GoPro to my hat yeah we, we could we could go we could go live we could go live strap the GoPro and put it on the cart right with the amazing cellular signal that you get on a golf course yeah yeah I don't know or just we we just we it's it's part of all of our uh, if anybody debating. wants to see 240p they can join in. <laughs> We could find a way to make it fun, uh, and then oh, it'd have... be fun, yeah. So there's no doubt about that. Uh, anyway, part of uh, some masters discussion, uh, I know for me, is going to factor into our next segment. So let's just go ahead and get to that, and that is hot and not. It's time for hot, hot. You want to talk about hot, hot? Please stop doing that. Doing what? Continue. Go ahead. And not. God, is he a moron? Oh my God, he doesn't shut up. It's so stupid. Stupid decisions. Dum dums. The naughtiest knot of the year. Oof. Suck fest. Suck sauce. On the 360 Sports Show. All right. Hot and not. The good, the bad, up and down. Christian, uh, I will just continue. I'll go first this time. I'm just going to continue with our conversation here because I still had hot as Tiger Woods. Uh, it was the hot for me last week, the fact that we knew he was going to maybe play, make an effort. Uh, and I I find myself, even though I knew, I knew he would be playing, sitting there Thursday and actually watching him tee off and walk, I'm like, my mind is still boggled. I'm like, this is absolutely incredible. 14 months ago, this dude was in a car that went off a road down an embankment and it's like, he might be dead. Okay, he might not have his legs. Okay, well, he might not walk again. And then it's like, you're just hoping... You, uh, he himself was just grateful to be alive and to still have his faculties and be able to just go about his daily life. Let alone compete as an elite and top-level golfer. Um, obviously, he wasn't there the last day. He had a pretty good day one. Which made some people go like, oh my god. Talk about, tell you this, for Scheffler, 
I think pretty different. If it was Tiger having a day like Rory had, and Tiger's now breathing down your throat, he probably does eight putt the 18th and lose. Oh, yeah. Um, because Tiger's presence was palpable. And in a way, this could maybe be a knot for the Masters itself. A guy who shot 13 over and finished 47th generated more buzz than anybody else there. Um, I still found it exciting. It was so compelling. It was, whether you love Tiger or hate Tiger, it's inspiring. I mean, the fact that he came back and won a Masters from the injury he already, his injuries he'd already had. And now this is obviously something that was literally life-threatening. And he he found a way to he got back. I don't. He doesn't need to win. The dude was there. He wasn't yeah. in a cart. No help. A little bit of a limp, but he's walking the course. How can has mind blowing? It, it blew. My, it, it. I just. I don't know. I my my brain was constantly boggled watching it. Like I almost couldn't believe what I was seeing because I just didn't expect to see it again. And he yeah, had told I mean. and he had told us it might not ever happen again. So yeah, that's why I was kind of shocked about it because. He asked me like, you know, eight months ago, I said, no, I mean, look at golf now. I mean, there's, there's no tiger here ever again, probably. You asked tiger three months ago and he said he didn't think he wanted to climb Everest. He did it. And then he did. Yeah. I mean, I guess climbing, truly climbing, it would have been winning, but he'd said Everest would have been just to get back. And he did crazy. So stays on my hot list for this week. Yeah, I'm going, uh. I'm going to good old baseball for this one and the pitch comp device that they're using now in the MLB, which, uh, you know, for us people that are interested in seeing how baseball can change the rules and change some things to get back to where it was, or at least change the game in year 2022, as opposed to we're watching baseball from 1940 still. So it's like the only sport that doesn't make these changes. Pitch comp will change that in about, a quarter to half the teams in the MLB were using this in the first weekend of the season. Uh, and it worked. I mean, now I've completely done a 180 from what I've seen on dude, get on the mound and pitch the ball, just throw it. Uh, to now the batters need to get in the box and just sit there. So now we're going to have to implement the clock in future years. But this pitch com is, is pretty cool. You know, the catcher puts a glove over his knee. I know the Yankees were doing it. Uh, and that's where I saw it first. But uh, put the glove over the knee, punch in a number, send it to the pitcher. He gets a signal and he throws the ball. Much nicer than, okay, here, uh, there's a guy on first, guy on second. Uh, we're going to put a two down, shake me off, one, nope, three, inside, outside, and then everybody gets out and we're going to pause the game for another five minutes. Now, this kind of speeds up the pitcher. Now it's about getting the hitters. A couple different situations. The batters thought they were getting quick pitched. And starting to complain about that. So it's going to take some getting used to in terms of, uh, I would say, the batters mainly. But at the same time, who needs to get out, scratch their butt, fix their gloves, get back in, and then hit? Just stay in the box. Yeah. You know, like, so now I'm kind of doing a 180 on it, but I think the pitch comp is cool. And, and I uh, I like the pace that uh, these pitchers are Severino for the Yankees. That's the one I mainly watched it with. And they're getting the ball getting the signal, and they're just throwing the ball. Wild concept, right? Yeah. Imagine changing the rules in 2022. <laughs> uh, man. Uh, all right. Uh, now to the knot. <laughs> uh, I know we've we've talked about this. 
and I just now I can really truly put it on the not list. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers paying forty-five million dollars in luxury tax, a hundred and sixty-something million dollars in salary to LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook to finish eleventh and thirty-one games back of first place and miss the playoffs. You're missing something today, though, right? The Lakers should be on the hot list because they've just finished paying Luol Deng, if I saw it right. <laughs> that. So contract. it's a good day to be a Lakers fan. Yeah. Ooh, the future's bright. Now Now that we're uh, from out from underneath of that Luol Deng contract, which was holding us back. I mean, that feels like it was like two centuries ago that he played. Yeah, I, that was yeah. If, you know, that was almost like that was going to get to Bobby Bonilla territory. That's fantastic. <laughs> I saw that, and I was just like, okay, the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. They finished eleventh, absolute disaster. Nobody wants to answer any questions. Westbrook might be traded. The coach is fired, and they just paid off Luol Deng's contract. What a day! <laughs> well, I love that too. This morning, it's like it's reported that uh, you know uh, it has been the final day uh, coached. Uh, for why am I I'm now having a brain fart. Vogel, Vogel, Frank Vogel, uh, Frank Vogel has coached his last game. He'll be informed later today. It's like <laughs> what is if he's not yeah. watching the news? Why are you inform him? <laughs> yeah, why don't you pick What's up the phone now, uh, Frank? Uh, by the way, I'm about to report that you're fired. You're gonna hear from the Lakers themselves later today. Yeah. That could go on the not list as well. Putting out a press release that he's you know, the, the the news media is like he's coached his last game. He'll be informed later today. <laughs> what? Usually you inform the coach and then you push out to the yeah. media. You don't tell the media first. Uh, really weird. But yeah. Anyway, the the absolute glorious dumpster fire that is the Los Angeles Lakers uh, deserves a <laughs> they deserve a a running seat. Uh, a standing seat on the uh, on the not list, but who got the now, most knots this NBA season? It might have been the Lakers, probably, or Westbrook yeah. himself. Close Again, or West, Westbrook. Some uh, a Reddit user somewhere has been keeping track for us. We'll have to that's get true. them, or somewhere yeah. on the Twitch, the Twitch stream, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah that, that's that has been keeping <laughs> keeping track, uh, along with uh, whether or not we're staying properly hydrated here on the show. Mm. Yeah, drink your anyway, water. Drink your water. Uh, right. You're not Christian. Going back to the Masters. Uh, I just remembered this, and I'm so glad I did. Mr. Cameron Smith, hole 12, he steps up there. Uh, this is this is just one tweet to sum it up, and then I'll explain what happened. Cam Smith birdies 11, one of just a few all week to keep within striking distance of Scheffler. Steps to T12, feeling it and ready to pounce. Walks off the green with a triple and six shots back. 15 minutes later, he's six shots back. This guy steps up to hole 12. He's he's there. He's like a couple strokes within. And steps up to 12. First shot, right in the water. <laughs> then he takes it out, drops it, and hits it about 200 feet over the hole. And then he hits it the other way, and it's way over again. Just absolutely speeds right past. And I'm just watching this, and I'm like, this is just the best. This is just the best hole that i've seen this weekend this makes it fun for me watching <laughs> disasters like this where a guy just like he just can't get out of his own way you want the shed and freud christian so you this love guy to watch is, other people suffering i mean it's just yeah i mean at that point i was just bored so why not? <laughs> <laughs> bring on the chaos yeah so i mean he steps up to hole 12 with like two strokes back i think he's like he's right there and he just birdied and then 
right in the pond, the first one. I was like, oh, here we go. This guy's going to do it now. And then the next shot, at least like 40 yards over the hole. Yeah, it was great. I mean, that's my not of the week. I mean, I think I think that sums up the Masters, uh, if ever there was a sum up. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we watched to see people compete at a high level, but every now and again seeing those, it does make you appreciate that the line between all-world pro golfer and yeah. looking like you've just picked up a club for the first time is very thin. Very thin. Now, I can't ever... It only goes one way. I can't ever, without the work being put in, look like a pro golfer. It'll never. It's never oh, yeah. going to happen. But it's very easy for me to look totally inept. It's. It comes very naturally uh, in the game of golf. And to see yeah. pros experience that every now and again, guys just have those complete blow-ups because it can happen in that sport. It's wonderful. It makes me feel about. Uh, it makes me feel better about my suckage on the golf course. Watching a pro do what I would do every hole so i mean it just makes me feel like you know right there, you would I'm do right it and there. feel good about it like oh my god nine shots over I on mean, it yeah <laughs> i mean if, if i'm getting there in nine i'm i'm in pretty good shape to be honest so it's for, for me i play it's like did i leave the course with the same amount of balls that i brought to the course right yeah yeah uh chances are no yeah <laughs> <laughs> Depends on if there's people. If there's nobody playing up behind you, you have a chance to go ferret around through the grass. Oh, and definitely, definitely. Yeah. I played I mean, in Vir- going... I, I played in Virginia a few years ago, and there was a dried out creek bed that had must have been normally raging, or there was in a drought. Me and my buddy, you like play up. We're like, this thing's completely bone dry, and there was like a hundred balls down there. We're like, jackpot! <laughs> hey, I'll take that any day of the week. And you, then you get some of the good ones. You find a good one, like a Nike ball or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I had some weird neon ball I found that uh, then shattered on the next. <laughs> I think I've been sitting it down there for a while. Yeah, that sounds about right. I said, does this stroke count? <laughs> My buddy's like, well, considering I don't know where you would drop because part of the ball's there and there and there and there and there. Yeah, go ahead. T again. <laughs> so, anywho. Um, moving on. Uh, this This news broke Saturday morning. Absolutely just crazy news uh i'm sure you've all heard by now uh but dwayne haskins passed away over the weekend hit by a dump truck if i'm not mistaken just in in florida absolutely just bombshell news incredibly tragic uh for a guy that was you know has has not was not able to live up to his hype coming out but was like gonna get a chance in in Pittsburgh, and then of all things in like today's day and age, now I, I don't know. Have you seen any of the further reporting, Christian? I, I've heard mixed things. He was like walking on a on a highway, interstate or something. Yeah, that's what I heard too. But so I have no idea what the circumstances were of that. Um, obviously, if that's the case, not a good situation to be putting yourself in. But either way. Just a sad, sad Terrible. story. In, yeah. inc- incredibly tragic. I mean, the kid, he's what, was 24, maybe? Going to be 25? 24, yeah, he's about to be 25, yeah. Ugh. So, yeah. It, he wants to take the football out of it, you know? I mean, it, like, he didn't, he, you know, we saw the Adam Schefter tweet. I'm sure everybody saw that, right? I mean, he, he 
obviously not thinking about what he's tweeting. Like he always, the everybody's rushed to get first on something. Break this news always comes out, and you know then it looks bad. Um, mentioning how he hasn't really made it at the NFL, and the guy just passed away. His family, you know what I mean? Like maybe someone's finding out just now. His family or something is just not a good look for like a major major sports reporter like that. But just take the sports out of it. I mean, he's still a human being. I mean, it's still tragic either way, right? Now he's in the limelight because of, you know, his football career and, you know, the potential there, obviously, especially with Pittsburgh now. You know, there we all know their quarterback situation. So to just have that happen is just, yes, yeah, gut-wrenching. Yeah, I mean, the Schefter thing, he tweets, he included unnecessary commentary in reporting the news. Like, yes, it's factual. He struggled to catch on and didn't live up to his hype and expectations and uh but when you're announcing the dude's death you don't need to have that in there yeah like you know there's a time and a place to have which is for us two days after the fact now like we can kind of include a little bit of that just in talking about Dwayne Haskins and his career uh only to the pretext to say that like it it's sad because it like was like look at he's gonna get a shot it was he's a, young op- and he's, he's yeah. you know an opportunity to turn it around uh he was down there practicing with teammates um so like that's the context in which i want to bring it up is that it looked like this could have been one of those like comeback stories um but when you're initially tweeting out like hey this happened like just say that it happened dude um, you can say steelers quarterback or something like that, but like to add in, like to basically say the dude sucks as a quarterback and he just passed away. Like it's just not a good look. Like just no. just you gotta use your head on stuff like that, especially to break initial news like that. It just you just can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not calling for Sheffer to get fired. I know how we we are in today's day, but like at the same time, admit the mistake, dude. Like you obviously f that up. I mean, that's pretty clear. Everybody. Well, knows. I mean, listen. His own actions will tell you the dude deleted the tweet. When yeah, you exactly. delete the tweet, you know you did you you you, you effed up. Yeah. Um, Nick in the comment section says not of the year. Adam Schefter. Uh, so this is he says he had run out of gas and was trying to cross the road for some reason and a dump truck hit him. Yeah, that's what the latest thing. This is actually from CNN. Yeah. Uh, this is all it says. This was earlier today. Haskins was trying to cross Interstate 595's westbound lanes. Now listen. Uh, I think we've all driven or been on interstate highways. Those are not things that are easy to cross. Yeah. Uh, so that is quite literally taking your life in your own hands. Um, it's just, it, it, it blows my mind. I mean, call someone. I don't know. It, it, it unfortunate, yeah. uh, re- yeah. really, really tragic and, and unfortunate. Um, yeah, hit hit by a dump truck. I mean, who? These are things you'd hear about. You'd think to hear in the newspaper, like in eighteen something, like man run over by carriage. Like, who, people don't get hit by dump trucks. I don't know. Uh, I think the initial yeah. report said automobile, and it's like a uh, a dump truck is not an automobile. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a little bit. Yeah, that is right. a piece of heavy machinery. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nick also says Schefter has since apologized and even did a tribute to him on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, you have to course correct. Yeah, do something. yeah obviously. Um and 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 obviously like 
listen, nobody's going to sugarcoat it. It's not like we're suddenly going to turn Dwayne Haskins into a, a Hall of Famer. But um, I was going to be excited to see what he could do with Pittsburgh this year. Now, they was it only a month ago, you know, five, four weeks ago, they signed yeah. him. And it's like, is this guy the answer? I don't know, but it could be fun to watch. Um, he'll actually have some talent uh, to, to really work with. So, I don't know. Uh, and a change of scenery, like being the top pick, it's some guys oh, yeah, aren't, aren't built for too. aren't built for that. And the fact that he was still in the league, um, I think if he really didn't have any sort of work ethic, I think he wouldn't even been given a contract. I and mean, he wouldn't probably even still been around. Um, so a guy who's like committed to trying to make it work, it would seem so sad. So, anywho, just we just had to do our our uh, give our two cents on that whole situation. Um, Another mind-blowing thing, Christian, um, the Boston Celtics are the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. And yeah, I know wow. this is this is not surprising if you've been watching for the last, like, two months. But at the midpoint of the year, they were below 500. Yeah. <laughs> and they finish 51 and 21. Uh, I think they were 23 and 24. 50, 51 and 31, sorry. Yeah, uh, 51 and 31, but they were, like, 23-24. I want to say, uh, back in like January, just wild. And and you're the number two seed. Now I know they're, they were, they were very close to being like the four seed, uh, maybe even the five seed, uh, you know, yeah. if, if things really went sideways. But they were also the, in the playing t- tournament in January and February. So because of, because of tiebreakers and, and how bunched up things were in the East, but either way, the number two seed, uh, Nick already says it, Ime Udoka coach of the year. I think so. Grizzlies. You shake your head no. Go Yeah, go. Grizzlies. Grizzlies. I mean, yeah, the Hold only on, no, 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 before you're Googling it, who's who is it? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Taylor <laughs> Jenkins. I, I just saw him yesterday. I don't know. I don't know his name, but I mean obviously that team even without John Moran is like fifty six wins on the year. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So that obviously Jenkins is gonna get it. Uh and I think he should, but I think Ime is right there. Yeah. And hey, I mean Monty Williams is also in the conversation out in Phoenix. Yeah. I mean it's I've said it before. What's incredible about this Celtics turnaround is that they did it without this, like, let's blow up the roster. Let's trade Jalen or Jason. Like, it's not working. Total shakeup or fire the coach. Without one of those, like, big earth-shattering changes, it was just get healthy and guys playing hard. Maybe that's get, usually get, that get usually out of here that usually. Yeah. But I mean, it, usually it's not just subtracting. You don't just subtract uh, a back, uh, 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 you know, your second point guard. They got Daniel Tice. What are you talking about? You don't just subtract role players and suddenly go from 500 to the best team in the conference. Like, or one of the best teams in the conference or in the well, NBA. Also, they were playing well before Schroeder and, uh, Josh Richardson got traded. So it wasn't even that. I mean, you can't even equate it to that. It was Tatum and Brown working together, finally in a yeah. clicking. Smart kind of getting out of the way and doing his point guard defense. What he, I mean, he should be defensive. Which not having year. Schroeder around really allows him oh, to be the point guard. It also let Peyton Percher get more minutes. I think he's a decent player when he's out there getting minutes. Uh, he yeah. can certainly shoot it. So all those things combined... But I mean, right? It, it's the top two, along with Robert Williams' emergence, as well as Smart, kind of uh, def- having a defined role and really, I want to say, owning that role. Because I mean, I think he's been. Uh, I think this is a career half of a year for Smart. I think he's been as good as he's ever been. Yeah. 
still. Normally you would say like, hey, get healthy and just playing hard. Like, hey, that 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 coaches say that you know that that would solve ninety percent of your problems. How often do you see it happen? A team that's with all that talent, five hundred at the five hundred at the break, you say like, hey, without some big shakeup, they're just gonna limp along. That's what always happens at the pro level. And instead, these guys turned a corner uh, internally, uh, and it's it's been incredible. Uh, now a lot was made out of yesterday. Oh, should you tank it and try and get the Bulls in the first round? But you could wind up with Toronto and all these. Instead, what I was in favor of, and what Ime Odoka opted with was, nah, we're gonna we're gonna do us. We're going to play our best ball, and we're going to let the chips fall where they may, which is effectively saying, because everybody was saying, you want to avoid, oh, you don't want to play Brooklyn. Don't want to play Brooklyn. Brooklyn was almost not in the playoffs and had to like win a bunch of games down the stretch to make the play-in tournament. Um, and guess what? If you actually want to go win a championship, you're going to have to play good teams. So how about you instill confidence and say, we're not afraid of them, which has kind of been the attitude like – Reflecting the attitude of their best player, who Udoka has tried to get out of Tatum this, like, oh, I'm boys and brothers with all these guys. Like, no, that's the enemy. Don't be friends with them. Be better. Like, it's, it'd be better than them. It's time for you to take it to them. And you be the alpha. Um, and I'm glad they went after it yesterday. Uh, now, God forbid if, like, Tatum or Brown got hurt in that game, you'd say, ah, you know. Coach of the year? No, Odoka should be fired. Um, I think you serve yourself. It's like you, you mess with the game. The game messes back. They decided to just play it out, and they still got their rest because the Celtics were like up by 30-something points. They, they decided to play it out yesterday. Milwaukee, uh, there's a question mark on that one. I think, that was, I think they were hedging that night. I think because they rest Tatum, they rest Hortford. Hortford? Horford. Horford, um, Al Hordford. That's that's like it's like you. Aud- it's like you're drafting. You don't realize it's the wrong. Not Al Horford. It's Al Hordford. Like, oh no, who did yeah, I pick? That's a mistake. No, he plays for the you know uh, Utah Stampede. He's a G League player. Um, anywho, um, I like it. I like going for it. I just think it brings the right attitude. And hey, if they have to play Brooklyn, they play Brooklyn. And you know what? I think they're ready. I'd rather that than be like scared. Let's play scared and try and avoid people because then you wind up, you know, be careful what you wish for. You have to play a spunky, hard-nosed, stupid, just like they never die Toronto team. Uh, and Nick Nurse, who I just, I hate that guy. It's like that team just has something on the Celtics. And I'd also be like, the vaccination status. And the vaccination and stuff. stuff. It's like yeah. you try to avoid one thing, you'll get something twice as bad. So you know what? Who cares? Let the chips fall where they may. I was also, people it. are like, people now. I, I do admit they probably will, but people are acting like Brooklyn is just a lock to get that seed and play Boston. If they lose to Cleveland and then win the next game, they get the Miami Heat. So, look, I said from day one they should go for it and get home. If you can get home court in two rounds, if you're the Celtics, you absolutely do it. That is a tough place to play here, uh, and. If I if I'm playing Milwaukee as Boston, I want to be in Boston. Yep, that's a huge huge factor. Um, their road is going to be a little bit tougher if Brooklyn wins. I mean, it's going to be Brooklyn and then probably the Bucks. So that that is pretty tough. I mean, that's a lot of games that's probably going to be played. Um, 
and you're without Robert Williams. So I would feel a lot better about the 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 net series if Williams was healthy. Um without him, how big of a factor is it? I don't know. I think he makes them really, really good defensively. I think they're pretty good without him, but I think he makes them he he, he like he he just elevates you to that great level. Um but at the same time, I still wanted to go for it. Now I thought they were kind of tanking it away at Milwaukee, I'll be honest. I mean, they did go out there and play the game and almost win it. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know if they changed their tune against the Grizzlies or whatnot, whatever the situation was. I think, have the, pi- court. I think the picture was just more clear at that point. It was like, win, and this is it. Lose, and there's other things, but we don't care. We we're hoping not to lose. Maybe. So Yeah, but but either way, you can lock up the two seed and have two. You know, if Miami gets knocked off, you're the home team if you win. So, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm all for home court, especially in the NBA. I think it matters more than any other sport uh, in that league. So here you go. Whoever you get, you should be beating. In my, in my opinion, I think the Celtics should beat whoever they get, whether it's Brooklyn or Cleveland, either one. They should beat either of those teams in seven games. Now, Brooklyn is obviously a toss-up. Okay, so they can obviously come through if Durant plays out of his mind and Kyrie comes in here and beats you, you know, so what? You got beat by the best player in the world. But if you're drafting the series, I think I'm hedging Tatum over Kyrie. So it's probably Durant, Tatum, one and two. So those two guys are huge in the series. Yeah. Uh, Colin in the comment section, super proud of the team, the Celtics, for the second half of the season, especially when being down three of their top four players against the Bucs and almost winning the damn thing with pure effort. And that's the thing is (laughs) – I know I've said it. To see a team that literally looked like they were just coasting at times and playing for a half and then blowing leads and there was just something that's like, oh, God, something nasty is still festering here. And it ain't Brad Stevens' fault anymore. Um, not Kyrie. It's not Brad. Like, what is it? Um, and that, when you turn the corner and flip that switch and, like, your best players are playing a certain way, it's almost like that momentum and that it trickles down to the point where you've got guys like you could just have you have Peyton Pritchard and Neesmith and Luke Cornett running around against the Milwaukee Bucks making play. Daniel Tyson, I think he dropped thirty points. Like Sam Hauser, Hauser, like it, it it becomes infectious with good teams that there's this belief like, oh, you know, I'm good too. We can win, and just the trying hard thing. Um, and that's gonna that. The fact that game, I think that'll be a game you'll come back to and think about and be like, in a playoff series where it'll it could be one of those guys who got those minutes and had that game and stays ready and stays hungry. Uh, who knows? A guy like Hauser could be important in a playoff series at some point. Um, there's all if you win a championship, there's always games um, where there's an unsung hero that comes out of nowhere somewhere. Uh, to have a big game or make a clutch shot. Um, and don't know who it'll be for the Celtics, but could be one of those guys. Peyton Pritchard. I mean, like you said, Schroeder being gone really allowed him to flourish again. Mm-hmm. Gain when, confidence as well. When, when, when it looked like he had hit that like sophomore slump and what kind of year is it going to be? So, um the playing games start tomorrow. You've got the Cavs and the Nets at seven. Clippers, Timberwolves at nine thirty. Um, 
I'll have to see how the rest of the matchups shake out. Hornets and Hawks, Spurs and Pelicans on Wednesday. Uh, and then, obviously, there's games The you know, you don't know who's playing who after yeah. those results. I mean, by next week, we'll have a good, you know, indication of where things are um, going to play out. But, but if, if I'm if I'm picking it right now uh, for the East, I'm willing to bet that it's – I think it stays Nets-Cavs. Um, I think the Nets beat the Cavs. I think the Hornets beat the Hawks, and then the Cavs beat the Hornets. Uh, to to make it in the the east and on the western side. Honestly, the the Timberwolves, the fact that they climbed up to where they are, uh, yeah. is very impressive. Um, so uh, I don't know. Is I haven't watched enough of the Clippers to really know like what kind of season they have. And I guess they won their last five. Um, Paul George is back, so that helps. Paul George is back. Um. I feel like that's a complete crapshoot. I, you know, Timberwolves, Clippers, Pelicans, Spurs. Um, man, is, is there any word? I mean, is this is this the last run for Greg Popovich? I mean, I'm wondering like how much longer. He's 73. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much for. I mean, that team. I don't feel like is close to a championship. You know, like at this point, I feel like. Is what Greg Popovich is doing now? This this could be our transition. Uh, is what Greg Popovich is doing right now with the Spurs essentially what we're going to see with Bill Belichick and the Patriots, where it's like championship days are done, uh, but uh, I'm just having fun tinkering and building nice little basketball teams that I like. No, because I think the difference that you're missing is that uh, Pop- Popovich will still make the playoffs and Bill Belichick will not. So. <laughs> Uh, true, maybe, but anyway, uh, let's move along. Uh, Major League Baseball is a b- b- back. Christian, you seem to be excited by baseball. Uh, are you? Are you excited with this start? Uh, as a Red Sox fan, not really, because they kind of stink. But yeah. um, blow game one, it's like okay, that sets a bad tone. I do really, I did really like the pitch comp. So I'm excited for the future more than I have been in a long time. I will say that. Uh, am I excited to watch 162 games? Hell no, I'm not doing that. But <laughs> uh, the pitch comp thing has my interest. The pitch clock that might be coming has my interest. Uh, and, this, you know, obviously things like the second, got putting a guy on second base in extra innings, that is also, I think, in the best interest of the game. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think the Yankees Red Sox games average four hours again. You know, that's just what it is. Those two teams literally just cannot have a game within like three hours. But, uh, this season, I want to see some of the things that they're doing. Future seasons. I will be absolutely more excited for because this pitch come device technology is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. I think there's a lot more coming and I think, the willingness kind of of teams to do this and the players is a good sign for things to come because uh, they've never really shown this much uh, willingness to evolve the game, so to speak, from where it was in 1912 as opposed to, uh, you know, 104 years later. So, uh, Colin in the comment section says, give me the pitch clock, do it. Nick also do. says, I think the runner on second rule 
uh, is away after this year. Maybe. Probably, but, but we'll, we'll see. But if it's a huge success, stuff just falling off my desk. Uh, but if it's a huge success, I mean, oh God, it, it would be baseball, like baseball, to just be like, people love this, but it's not pure. And yeah. so we're going to take it away. Uh, God says, I will watch 40 games uh, as opposed to none. That's uh, good. Yeah. You know, hey, look. That is that is, is way more, more than games zero. than I'll I mean sit down physically don't watch end to end or beginning to end many games in an entire season. Um no. there's big games that come up, a big series, usually Red Sox Yankee games, um, where you know it's like, all right, I'm gonna watch the whole thing. Um Playoff games, obviously, you're glued to every pitch. Um, but the regular season, it's a lot. You just you're following along. You're keeping tabs. It's on the radio at the beach or in the car. Uh, you check your you check the standings the next day. You kind of see how the, the the team's doing. It's it's still a tough sport to engage um, that much. And I think even I'm, if the game, yeah. I think even if the game was fascinating, if football played a hundred games. I think you'd kind of run into the same problem. You you just can't keep up with it. So it's 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 you, anybody that watches all 162 games from beginning to end, no job. They're, they're guaranteed asleep for half of them. Yeah. Um. So uh, they start a series with Detroit tomorrow. The Red Sox do. Uh, no Trevor Story. No Bobby Dahl. They started the series today, actually. Oh, started won. started today. Um. Yeah. Your uh, your thoughts on Trevor Story though here at the start? Well, he went 0 for four in his, in game one, not off to a hot start, and then he's been sick for the rest. So, who the hell knows? <laughs> I just thought it was important. Like everybody's hyped up, right? Everybody's hyped up for Trevor Story. He's you know he's gonna bump the Red Sox up to 240 million dollar payroll. They should be in it now. They're gonna be really tough to play against because their bats are gonna be on fire, and nobody, everybody can hit from two to like. Seven, which I don't disagree with. They haven't so far, and Story hasn't been in the lineup. I think this year for the Red Sox, it I almost feel like I can't get too excited about anybody or anything around it because I'm nervous. This is really kind of like a fulcrum point for Bloom. Like, what are you going to do with Xander Bogarts? And what are you going to do with Rafael Devers? Now, if you want to be a championship team and compete, you do not get rid of those guys. You no. keep them here, you pay them, and you just keep adding pieces to the team because you're a big market, you're a big market team, you have the money, and you keep investing. I'm worried that he might look at it and say, like, what a great asset I have in Rafael Devers. I could get 10 prospects for him. And now you're just playing this. We just are a revolving door of groom a guy, bring him up, trade him. Yeah, has Mookie bets written all over it right now. And so I, I'm really, I'm really leery of that. And I, I, I that's why I have a, tr- a tough time because I don't know what they're gonna do. Um, are they gonna, are they gonna, or are they gonna pick one of the guys? I'm fine if you pick Devers and say Devers is our piece, who we're gonna pay him top dollar, and we'll find undervalued guys to pay and put around him that's fine that's kind of what that i made it. don't that but that's better than getting rid of both of them that's sure, what that, but I don't that's like what that team did too. that's what this ownership group has done with liverpool right um that's their approach they've taken like pay one guy Maybe. 
and try and find value everywhere else. Maybe you overpay for some guy, but he's undervalued. So in, you're you're paying less in the long run. Yeah, it's just another to... bad look though with Bogarts. He's he's I been know. here a long time, I so know. you're playing with fire on that one. I know. I if know. They, Devers comes to you and says, "I'm not playing without Bogarts," then you're screwed. So make no mistake, the Red Sox can pay both of them. Don't let anybody fool you into thinking they can't. I mean, it's it's will the they Red Sox? No, they will. Won't, they? But no, because that we we've seen that. And look. Uh, Mr. Robot there is he is building the farm system. They have top 10 farm system in the league probably now. Uh, and everybody wants to talk about Meyer. We don't know if he can play yet. So uh, that's a long shot just saying, oh yeah, all the prospects will come up and they'll be really good, really great. Not so sure about that. Yeah. Uh, Nick in the comment section, if you had to get rid of one of them, I'm taking Devers, Devers over Bokey any day. Well, yeah, I mean, he's younger, he's more production, but you probably DH down the line as well. Oh man. That's, that, that's all I'm saying. You know, I, I know there's a lot of people excited for what this team can be. And I, I'm really concerned that midway through the year, it, it's going to be one of these like, Hey, they're playing really well. And Hey, you know, now's the time to trade Bogarts. And you go from being like a team that's like in contention ish to like thinking you could just remove a guy that's been like a cornerstone and everybody else is just going to be hunky dory and you blow up your season uh, because of it. Yeah. That's my big time concern uh, with this team. So I'm, I'm going to not get too high and because I'm not going to get hot too high. I'm not going to get too low over this team either. Uh, I'm not going to know what they're capable of doing until after the trade deadline. And cause that has a lot to do with who's running the team and the direction they're going to take. So, um, last thing here to kind of close things out, uh, as we head down the stretch with the NHL season, uh, the Bruins, they beat the Tampa Bay lightning a little shorthanded. They beat the lightning. Then they lose to Washington. Um, I feel like the Bruins are kind of at this point, it's like, can the season end and can they stay healthy, please? Yeah, that that's the most important thing now. I mean, you look at the standings, they're right there with Tampa and they're probably going to be the rest of the way. Um, just in terms of points. I mean, they're one back of Tampa, five back of, and then Florida is way out. But uh, Toronto has kind of stretched their point lead, point, to- point total past, you know, both Tampa and I think they're going to be hard to catch. I do. Uh, at least in the regular season, you know, in the playoffs, they choke. But uh, for now, I think for me, it's all about getting Pasternak and Lindholm back. You just got Lindholm and looked really good with McAvoy, and then he goes down. Pasternak, obviously, I mean, their power play has been inept since he's gone down, and you can just see it on that line. McLaughlin is what he is. He's not He's not a second-line right-winger. Um, and Pasternak is. Pasternak is a huge piece of this team. If they don't have him, uh, I don't like your chances because the goal scoring has gone down. The power play stinks. Um, so I don't know. In my opinion, I think you get healthy here. Don't make those guys come back for no reason here. You're going to have a tough opponent regardless. So leapfrogging Tampa, not leapfrogging Tampa, is not going to matter all that much. I mean, it might change the road a little bit. Uh, I think if you could avoid Carolina, then you have a shot because Carolina has absolutely dusted the Bruins like yeah. three or four games this year. But get healthy. You're already pretty much in the postseason. Not not quite, but a lot of teams are already out of it. So um just stay within the playoffs and get there healthy. Get Lindholm and Pasternak back. Without those two guys, y- you're screwed. Yep. Uh, I wanted to break something up about the NHL. 
Uh, did you see Sidney Crosby's absolute sucker punch in the face of Dowd last night against the Capitals? Did you catch that? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I saw Malkin. Are you talking about Malkin? No. So Malkin is going to have like a whole hearing. Yeah. Nothing at all about this. Let me try and pull this up. Uh, pull this up here. Malkin was the talk of the town. I miss Crosby. Yeah. Right in the middle of the play. It's just go full screen. Let me get rid of our. So he just boom. <laughs> like talk about how how blatant. Now he got a two minute penalty, but I'm sorry. That should be of all the things like we supplementally disciplined for. The hell. <laughs> you just say you just blast a guy with the left hook across the face. <laughs> like you think Crosby is uh in with the league a little bit? That's got to be superstar status. Extra. Oh, you know if that's like Oh, if that's if that Tom if that Wilson if that was or, or like, if that was Marshand, if that was Marshand, oh, yeah, he'd be, he'd be strung year. up outside the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> and for the year. He'd be Marshand would be in front of a firing squad right now. <laughs> just brutal. Now it's awesome. <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah, but I mean, like, it is, yeah. but like, you're gonna do that. We're all gonna cheer. Take your two minute minor, uh, and then accept like a three game suspension from the league because it's one thing to like get into it with a guy who's like also trying to like start something after a play, and like in the middle of the play, just being like, you know what, I'm not a hockey player anymore. Wah! Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, to be to be honest, I'm kind of happy he did it. I mean, look, the Capitals are are one of those teams that kind of stays right on the line most of the True. time. So sometimes you just need to get punched in the face. Yeah, but is, Dow- is but is Dowd is Dowd really one of those dirty guys though? Uh, I think they're all kind of they're, yeah, they're all they're, they're, they're all together. those Capitals, that- man. I tell you, they get dirtier by the day. <laughs> I didn't know Orlov was cheap, and then he boarded someone the other day. I don't know. They every time I watch them, I just they they kind of just piss me off. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Tom Wilson running around like a jackass. It's just like it's just not great. Yeah. So so punch uh, him in the face. <laughs> Why not? See what happens. See no what suspension. Happens. Two min- Two minutes to punch a guy in the face. I'll take that. <laughs> you can pay me Sidney Crosby money, and I'll do that. Uh, Sidney Crosby has been expelled, though, from the uh, Academy, uh, the, the Actors Guild Academy, though. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no question about that. <laughs> and he is an actor. Uh, so That's for sure. Uh, anywho, uh, Christian, any other thoughts, notes, or comments here before we close out the show? I am good if you are. We're getting ready for playoffs here, and, you know, ob- obviously, most notably hockey and basketball. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll be right there, sitting on the doorstep. Um. And those are two of the most exciting playoff runs in an all of professional sports. So get excited for that. I do want to check. Will we have the first round of the – let me see the NBA schedule. Probably will already be started. That's what I want to see. Uh, I think it's – the Celtics will play Sunday, I want to say. So Let's see if anything is set Friday. Uh, East eighth seed game. Yeah. Sunday game one uh, someone to be determined at Boston uh, so we will have one game in the books when we next Celtics Nets next take to the airways I'll tell you what though 
I say bring on the Nets. And, like, I think you need to, like, you know, over... It'd be, it'd be good for Ime. It'd be good for Tatum Brown to, like, beat legit stars like that. Uh, however... You might get saged again. We don't know. The dark side of that proposition is that if, yeah, you lose that series. Not great. Yeah. It'd be one thing if you were the seven seed playing the Nets and you make it a series and lose. Hey, you know what? It's respectable. No more. Nope. You have to beat that team. If you play them in the first round, you must beat them because now you are the top seed. You're the ones playing with house money. Brooklyn's going to be a tough out. Yeah. So, anywho, we'll see. One game will be in the books, and we'll get to complain about it next Monday. So, that'll do it for us here. I'm Andrew Pazelli. He's Christian Lauber. Have a good night, everybody. See you later.